righty, good morning. If you've got your Bibles with you this morning, uh, y'all turn to Ephesians chapter 3 with me. Ephesians chapter 3, and uh, we're going to pick up in verse 14, and uh, we'll cover through 21. Uh, I'm going to kind of pick up uh, a little bit before where John left off last time when he covered in Ephesians, but uh, what we're going to read today is very important, um, and we're going to see that uh, in this prayer that Paul gives. But Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14, it says this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory that He may uh, grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, and the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray this morning. Uh, God, we just come before you right now with complete dependence upon you to speak to us. Praying that your spirit would illuminate the truths that we see that Paul is trying to convey uh, to, to, this church, to the church at Ephesus here, Lord. But God, as he was writing to them, we know that these words mean just as much to us as we sit in here. So God, speak to us through your word this morning. God, get me out of the way. Calm the nerves, calm everything that may be going on in, in anyone's life, Lord, so that they may hear from you today. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So, think about this. Um, experiencing the power of God. Here, Paul's prayer is for spiritual strength, but it comes through the power of God. In stages of life, can you not say that your children teach you something when they're young, correct? And you're first becoming a parent. They teach you things. Things that you would have never known before. How to love something so, so dearly. Um, you name it. Whatever it may be. But you know there's also something that also teaches us in that same way? When we get older. When we get older, we learn what? That this thing right here isn't like it used to be. My body doesn't do the things that it once did. Correct? We were in the pool last Sunday afternoon after church and Raven and the boys were on my back trying to, to get me to go underwater. And if you want to know something about me, that is my fear. Do not force me to go underwater. The next morning, though, do you know what happened? My back was hurting and it probably hurt for three days. Dr. John had to do a root canal on me last week and I'm telling you, my back hurt worse than the root canal did. But what is that a point of, though, is that this outer self is wasting away. It is fading away. But most of you don't know this about me. Um, I was a chaplain for a year and a half with hospice. And when you see older people, and it doesn't matter, or younger people, when, when death comes, it also teaches you something. So when you are given the news that, hey, your life, it, it, we're giving you six months to live, it changes how you pray for things, and it changes the way you look at things. So when I would go to some of these faithful, godly people and pray and read scripture with them and try to encourage them, do you know what most of the time they would pray for? That the Lord would give me strength to make it through this. That my faith would not fail. 
that he would give me peace. Okay? We can learn from someone who, a, a godly saint who's only been given a few months to live. And we can learn that because that's what Paul's trying to get to a church that hasn't been given that death sentence, so to speak. Because think about this week. Was that your prayer? That God would strengthen you with his power, that you would experience that. Was it? Probably not. If we're going to be honest, if you look at your prayer requests, what were they probably this week? Everything that deals with this thing. Lord, help my health in this way. All those things. So may we take a lesson from those people that we have seen that have gone on to be with the Lord and maybe the, the prayers that they even uttered. Um, and I think that's what we see here with Paul. He is, he is praying for, this believer, for the believers here at Ephesus for their spiritual strength. He never announces anything that they may need or anything like that. It is all directed toward the inward person that we see here. But when you come in here and sit, let me ask you this. How are you doing this morning? Truthfully, how are you doing? And I don't expect any of you to answer that out loud. But if we're honest, we're all struggling. If we're honest, we've been beaten down. Because if you look at this as a transitional prayer into what Dr. John has spoke on not too long ago, it transitions into what the church in Ephesus should live, how they should be now. Okay, these are the great truths that you have been given, and because of these truths, now you live this way. But there has to be something this morning that starts that fire, that sets everything in motion, and I believe it is right here where we see that the Spirit gives us this power and it strengthens us to live the way God has called us to live. And I thought, I thought about this. Uh, Dr. John gave me a book a few months ago. And in it, he, he quotes George Mueller. You all know him, don't you? A faithful man of prayer. When you look at his life, though, you see the power of God. He experienced that. So he had a few principles, and I just want to share these with you. So he had a, a principle that he lived by, not to receive a salary as a minister. Due to, he wanted to solely and completely trust in the Lord for all his financial needs. Not only that, he says not to ask for any money. So, you know, if you know anything about George Mueller, he ran an orphanage and he never asked for money for the physical needs that they may have needed. He never asked a thing. He always asked God for those things. And then he says here that he would never go into debt. He wanted to be a slave to no man. Think about those three things. So what, is, what is all that showing that George Mueller lived? Dependence upon God. When we depend upon Him, we can see and experience the power of God and be strengthened by His Spirit. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. So if you will, uh, we're going to pick up in verse 14. And I pray that as we look at this text this morning, this will be your prayer as well this week. That you would experience the power of God that would strengthen you in these ways. So look at verse 14. He says, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. So Paul gives us something right off the bat that we must definitely pray for and we must definitely seek. Your first point there, to actually experience the power of God, we must pray for humility. We must pray for humility because I will say that's not something that comes natural to any of us. That is something that we have to pray for, we have to cultivate inside of us. And Paul has that here, though. So if you pick up in the very beginning of chapter 3, it's almost like he, he sidesteps 
And then he goes into what he says in the first 13 verses of chapter 3. It's almost like he was about to start this prayer. And then he talks about the mystery of the gospel revealed. But I will say, what causes Paul to be humbled here? What causes his posture to be that of bowing down on his knees? And know this, it isn't bowing on your knees makes God hear your prayer or you experience the power of God. It's the posture of your heart. And that is what we see with Paul here. The posture of his heart was that of humility. And for us to experience the strength that comes from the power of God, we must have humility this morning. We must have it. But what is the reason for our humility? Have you ever thought about that? Why was Paul in humility here? Why did he bow and say, Lord, for this reason I bow my knees? Why? Why don't you go back to Ephesians chapter 2? Go back to Ephesians chapter 2, and I just want to briefly read this to you. Um, and the words here are powerful enough, I don't need any, to add anything to this. Chapter 2, verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom... We all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, He has made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with Him, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might show His immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for uh, works which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. That should bring humility to you this morning. You were dead, and God brought you to life. You bring nothing to the table. That's why Paul says, for this reason I bow my knees. Because of your mercy, because of your grace. Because I was dead, and now I have been brought to life. But I would say that there is an even a beautiful picture too that follows this. That we are one in Christ. All of us misfits as we sit in here, right? God has brought us together as one. No one's greater, no one's lesser, but we see we are all one in Christ. So I will say here this morning, if you want to experience the power of God to where it strengthens your, your inner being and the person who you are, Monday through Saturday, not just on a Sunday morning, the first thing you have to have is a prayer for humility. And may we not forget that. Let me ask you this question. When's the last time you prayed for humility? When's the last time that was the first thing you prayed about? Was God let it be of humility? If we're honest, most of us, the first thing we're going to say is, oh, I'm going to pray for my sick family, I'm going to pray for this. But Paul says, no, it should not be that way here. So you think about how this works even in our own life. Um, Cliff knows this, and he's probably already forgotten now. And some of you, the first night I went to the grace, grace group, I went to Cliff's. Um, and then John stole me away, so I'm going to blame it on John. But 
uh, I had the opportunity to play college basketball. Um, so he, he, here's the deal. Uh, how to put this, I was not the best basketball player in high school. Okay, I, I, I was decent. I could handle my own. But after I got out of high school, I actually got better. I played more, and it kind of just it involved my whole life. I loved playing basketball in all those types of ways. And, and I think, too, so does anybody know a famous basketball player uh, by the name of Wesley Persons, Auburn University? Do you know he actually led the Enterprise basketball team? Um, the junior college for uh, two to three years and ended up getting fired. But he was one of the leading three-point percentage players um, of the NBA at one time, all these different things. There was one day, um, had no interest, right, and no one would have ever recruited Brandon to play basketball because I was not a college athlete. I was walking to bowling class through the gym. Do you know what had happened the week prior? The whole basketball team, other than two to three players, had flunked. So you know what Coach Persons was trying to do? Fill a team. We got to fill this thing. We got we to gotta do something because here's the problem. I ain't got enough players to play a game. So one of my buddies I played high school ball with was there trying out. And he says, hey, I know this guy right here. He can play and he can shoot. Okay? Coach Persons walked over to me, handed me the practice jersey number 34, shorts and everything, and says, Brandon, you're on the team. I didn't do a thing. I, I Honestly, I didn't. I went home that night and I turned it down because I wanted to focus on schooling and, and I didn't want to do anything. I look back now, I mean, I could have been playing pro ball, right? Um, but um, not the truth. But when you think about how we have been adopted in this family, we brought nothing to the table. It is in that same way. I, did, I was not good enough. I was not um, the, any type of player that he should have recruited me. But what did Coach Persons do? He handed me a practice jersey and said, you're on the team. And that's what we see in Ephesians here, is that we have been given a jersey by God in those same ways. So the next point I want to give to you this morning is look at the next thing here. Verse 15, or at the end of verse 14, it says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named. So think about this, your next point. Remember, we are approaching our Heavenly Father. And that's what Paul is, is trying to get at. When you look at this, there's actually a few different interpretations as far as verse 15, as what he is, what he is encompassing here. Um, some people say that this is the, the body of believers on earth and that are in heaven um, together as this one family. Um, and actually, if you look at your footnotes there, it'll say whole family, not every family. But I think Paul is trying to, to point and to direct at one thing here is that we are approaching our Heavenly Father. And has not our Heavenly Father been good to us in so many different ways? Um, I want to just read one thing from you. And, and, and having children, you, you think of this. But Matthew uh, chapter 7. As Paul humbly uh, bowed before the Lord, we see next too, though, that he did this. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11 um, I actually pick up in verse 7. Sorry. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his sons ask him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? 
If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask of Him? So as we come in humility towards God, and that should be the first thing, I think the next thing is we have to see here God and who He is, His character, His nature, the one that is in control of all these things. So do not forget that, that He is a good Father who gives good gifts when we come to Him in prayer. And just let me stop there, just on two verses. Compare that to your prayer life this week. Does it start out that way? Or is it other personal things that, that continue to, to go before what God would have here? And I think, too, what also do you see here? Is that this prayer is boxed in between praise. God, Paul here is worshiping the Lord, and at the last two verses you see he's worshiping him the same way. So remember that, that we come before the Lord and we worship Him even when we pray. And we trust our Father who gives good gifts in those same way. And I think this is the, the best gift that we could have is to experience the power of God so that we might be strengthened. So your next point I have for you there. It says to actually experience the power of God, we must pray for strength that only God can provide. And we see that in these following verses here. It says that according to you, the riches of, of His glory, that He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. So think about this here. You see very clearly that who may grant you? That He may grant you. God, exactly. That He may grant you to be strengthened. And how else is this done? We, we see the triune God here, uh, even in this prayer, but through His Spirit... May we remember that this morning. To actually experience the power of God, we must pray for strength that only God can provide to us as we sit in here. He is the only one. He is the only one who can provide this. Um, being a chaplain was probably one of the most difficult things I had to experience, but it was probably one of the most joyful things because you actually got to meet people um, that I would have never met beforehand. There is one lady in particular uh, this morning who when we say, hey, no, she embodied that she trusted the Spirit of God and, and that He would be the one to grant her strength that only He could provide. It was a, a lady um, actually not too far from here in Graceville. She was in her 80 years, uh, 80 years old, had already buried two children and had also uh, buried her husband just a few years prior. And I would go visit her. And now this lady, y'all, I mean, not given very long to live. Do you know what she was still doing in those last few months of her life? She couldn't see very well, so she had one of those uh, projectors. She would have women over at her house, and they would study the Scriptures together. And she was constantly praying for all these different things. But when I think of this, I think of someone like her. Is that she knew God was the only one that could provide her strength to keep pushing on. Because remember, this prayer is right before he says, now go live this way. And, and, and she was a perfect and a godly example of someone who truly relied on the strength of God to make it each and every day. Um, she helped me out in some of my, my hardest walks that I've had to go with through the Lord. And that's why I can ask you, are you okay this morning? is because one of the things that she walked through me with um, the last few months of her life was Raven and I had, had a miscarriage um, a few months uh, into me working there. 
And you know those people that you just want to be around when things like that happen. Why? Because they, they, they embody this, right? They, they have this strength that just doesn't make sense. All I could think about was, man, when I get back to work, she's the first person I'm going to go see. She's the first person I'm going to go see. And I just rem- I, rem- I can sit here and close my eyes to you all this morning and remember, remember her praying over me um, and, and remember the, the kind words and, and the beautiful things that she had to say, uh, but also to where she always directed me back to. So this morning, as we look at this, and I would say that there are people here that we know of, Dr. Allen, Dr. John, Mr. Cliff, that, would fall, that, that you see fall into this category. When we look, you know, a few weeks ago at, at Dr. Allen and celebrated everything that Link Up has done, you can't tell me you don't sit in these seats and, and are like, why not me? Why can't that be me? I want to experience what Dr. Allen has experienced. I want to experience what Dane has experienced. But it starts here with reliance upon the Spirit of God, the only one that can give us strength to do that. Because Dane cannot do it on his own. Dr. Allen could not do the things that he does had it not been for the Spirit of God that rests on him and that strengthens him. And may we remember that this morning. So as you keep reading with me though, how does God give? God always gives according to his riches. See in verse 16 that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with the power through His Spirit in your inner being. God always gives according to. Alright? And that's important. According to His riches. Not what? Not from His riches. Okay? And, and that, that, there is a big difference that, that we have to see there this morning. One of the commentaries I read it said it's vitally important to make this distinction. Because if we don't see the difference... It changes the whole perspective. So let me ask you. Um, Asher is getting now to where he likes to, to, to take money. Like not steal it, but he likes for grandparents to give him money for doing stuff. Anything that you can do. He's at that stage in life where that's what he likes to do. Um, so he'll do something to make a quick dollar. But think about it like this. If he went up to my, my mother and asked, Mom, can I have, you've got $500, can I have $2? And she said, sure. What is that an example of? She takes $2 from his 500 She gives out of, his rich, out of her riches. God does not do it that way. He gives according to. So now imagine if Asher went to someone else who had a, was wealthy and they were giving according to their wealth. Instead of, asking, instead of just giving $2, they had 100 they would say, well, I'm going to give you $500. There's a difference there in how we look at according to riches. And I think we must be reminded of that this morning. Is God does not just give out of His riches, but yet He gives according to His riches. And that's important for us as we look at this prayer. And your next little sub-point there, it says that the strengthening occurs where? It occurs in our inner being. The, strength, uh, the strengthening occurs in our inner being. So as we've done said, so many times we focus on the outer man. But Paul's prayer here is of one focus. It is on changing the inner man. How does this happen? How does God change the inner man that's inside of you? Because if you don't want to feel defeated, if you don't want to feel the things that you feel every time you may walk in here, we see that strength from the Spirit can allow these things to be, but... 
How does this happen? It's a yielding to the Spirit of God. It is allowing God to take residence. It is allowing God to, to be in control of all these things. And I think it also, when we're yielded to the Spirit, it allows us to fight against sin. But we're going to see something else here in this prayer. Not only does yielding to the Spirit allow us to fight against sin, but it also allows us to love others the way that we should. And that is important too. So I would say that's how this happens. It happens by us yielding to the Spirit because it is not just going to happen. It is us relinquishing control. And Randy, what did you read this morning? 2 Corinthians, right? Being, the inner man is being renewed day by day while this outer man is decaying. We see that here. And we see Paul is worried about the inner man and it being renewed day by day. So then, I think of this. This morning, what's the condition of your inner man or inner woman? Your inner being. What would you say is the condition of what you have going on right now? Not outer. What is the condition of your heart this morning? And if it our prayer should be that of Paul here. It should be for his strength. It should be for his strength, for his, for, to experience his power through that. So may we remember that. And the next thing you have here, so as through your inner being, and then the next verse it says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, so this morning, when you become a believer, uh, if you read Galatians, it says that the Spirit of God, the uh, Spirit of Christ is sent into your hearts. Correct? Um, Galatians chapter 4. Think of it this way. So there's two different dwellings that are being mentioned here. So when you t- repent, turn from your sin, and believe in Christ, we see that the Spirit of God does reside in your heart. He does dwell there. Well, why is Paul telling a, a body full of believers the same thing again? so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Because the word dwell here is actually different than what we see in Galatians and in other places. It actually is completely different. It's as if, uh, I think D.A. Carson says it best, Um, it's as if we are allowing Christ to uh, to take hold of our hearts, to rule our hearts in those ways. And I think that is vitally important for us too this morning. So, as you look at that and as you think of that, um, hang on a second. I had a quote here I wanted to read you. And this is from D.A. Carson. It says, when a person takes up a long-term residence with us, he finds uh, the moral equivalent to trash inside. When Christ moves into our lives, he finds us in bad repair. It takes a great deal to change us. Is that not true? That when He found us and we were dead in our sins, that it was a messy place. I think of as we are getting ready to sell our house in Rehoboth and go only God knows where. Do you know what you start to see, though, is I put those floors in. We painted, I didn't paint, my wife and her mother painted those walls. What happens after you live there for a period of time in any of your houses? It starts to reflect what? Who you are and your character. Does it or does it not? 
Okay? We're about to move out and somebody else is going to move in and do the same thing. But I would say too, as he's talking about Christ dwelling in our hearts here, we see here that that is the same way. Is that Christ comes in and he makes it anew. He makes it his. We allow him to rule our hearts. And that was your next point. Our hearts have to be Christ's home. It's not just a place that, that we allow him to, to have weekend visits or anything like that. But yet we allow him to transform the inside. Is what Paul is trying to get at here when he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that is important for us this morning. So may our prayer not be for our, our root canals, our back pain, but may it be that, that Christ would take over. That He would change the landscape of our hearts and our minds. And I think when we allow Him to do that, you see the, the, the beautiful benefit that comes from that. So when Christ is in control, it produces love for others is your next point. Look at verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, and the height, and the depth. Paul wants them to, under, to have an understanding of Christ's love in these verses, uh, 17 through 19. And you see that too, so if you will, uh, you might not ha- even have to flip your page, but look at Ephesians chapter 5. And look at verse 1. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And verse 2, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Does anybody know what the problem was with the church in Ephesus in Revelation? They lost their first love. So what's Paul already trying to, to strengthen them with? Listen, have Christ dwell in your heart so that you may love one another in the way in which you should. Because he knows what the future is and he knows what is coming for this church if they do not do those things. So Paul wants them to have an understanding of Christ's love so that it would transform the relationships in which they have. And if you look there too, he uses a few different words. Um, Spurgeon actually has a, a, a beautiful description of these. He says these two expressions are used... Um, one being rooted like a tree which lays hold upon the soil and it twists itself all over the rocks and then grounded like a building which has been settled and as winds and all these things come, it will never show any cracks in the foreseeable future. So this is the kind of love and, and that he is wanting to be produced here. It is one that is rooted, that is solid, that has a foundation that will not be cracked in any way. And I would say too, is that your prayer this morning? It is to know this love of Christ that we may experience His strength in this moment so that we can love others in the way in which God has called us to. Because what's, what's, our, dry, what's our motivation? Why, why do you do the things you do, Jamie? Why? For Alicia, why? You think about it. Because you love her. And Paul knows that here, and he's trying to convey that truth here, is that love is the motivation. Love is the driving force behind this. 
And he is wanting them to know that as they go into what now he is calling them to live out. Love must be the motivation. So then next, he says here, that they may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, and the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So wants them to, to know this love, but also to, what is it though? With all the what? With all the saints. He wants them to be together as they, know, as they look at this love, as they look at the length, the height, and the width. Um, and, and the best thing I heard described is, is you look at the cross in this picture. Does it not demonstrate that? How it, how it, how it uh, makes us right with God in so many different ways. The, the length, the width, all those things of what Christ had accomplished on the cross, it points to this, this measure. Are we ever going to come to this complete knowledge, though, as we're here? No, we're not. But we should be praying for it. We should be praying to know God that much more. Because as we seek to have this happen in our life and to be filled with all of this, we see there that there's something that comes from this. Your, your next point there, though. The end goal is maturity. The end goal is maturity. It says, and that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Look at Ephesians 4.13 with me. It says, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, uh, who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint which is equipped, when each part is working properly, the body uh, grows so that it builds itself up in love. So you see that that just that same example of love running through here. So. How does that, what's our application that we can take even from that as we look at, as he explains this knowledge of love and to experience this love here? What's our application? Be imitators of Christ. Be imitators of Christ, yes. Okay, but, and I would say too, do you pray that the fullness of God would be complete in you? When's the last time you prayed that? That I would be mature enough in my walk with the Lord that it would overflow into the lives of the people that I have closest to me. When is the last time that was your prayer? And that's why this week, it, it, this, this passage has been really profound in, in all the things that come from it. Because it has taught me, I do not pray for the things that I should pray. Nor seek after those things. So, your next point there. To, to kind of wrap this up here. To actually experience the power of God, we must, we must pray with great expectation. I would even say anticipation. And that's what you see in verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly 
than all that we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Remember what Paul's doing here. At the beginning, he is worshiping. Now at the end, what is he also doing? He is worshiping. That is what this is. Now to Him, talking about God, who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think. How many of us want that to be the first start of this prayer? Like, just skip the first few verses there and let's go to this. He's able to do all these things far more abundantly. That's what we want, truthfully. But you see, for this to happen, what has to happen to this point? Christ has to change our heart. He has to mold us into the image of the Son. We see all of this transpiring in this prayer, and that's why Paul wants him to experience this. But we have to let Christ uh, take over and to rule our hearts so that we may experience the power of God here. And may we not forget that this morning. That the prayer does not start this way. It ends this way. Verse 20 says, We pray for great expectation." May we remember one thing. Our God is able to do anything. Amen? Amen. He is able to do anything. And I think when we come under this umbrella and we allow Christ to rule in our hearts, that anything that we really want Him to do will change. It will not be for my back, for Dr. John not to mess up on my root canal. It will be so that every person comes to know this God. It'll be that my neighbor that I've never spoken to will come to know him. It'll be that my children come to know this God. Because he is able to do those things. And I... John, would you not say... This right here is a perfect example of why even grace is here. Because God is able. You know, John said last time I preached that I actually was here when Grace was, at the, was on the downhill stretch. And there were only 12 people. I remember Jerry and I remember John. Those were the only, only two that I remember. But I remember going and hearing it. And I thought, man, that church, it's not going to be there much longer. I remember us leaving that. But would you not say the heartbeat of Grace changed? They allowed Christ to rule it. And that the people came to this place and then they saw how God was able to do these things. So this morning, may that be your prayer. God, change our hearts so that we can experience this power. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly. Remember, He gives according to His riches too. Not only that, that that we can ask or think. I can think and ask a lot of things, y'all. I can think and ask a lot of things. But think about that this morning. Far more than we can, far more than we can think or ask God God can do. According to the power at what? Work within us. So this morning, I pray you would experience that power. And and I know some of you are like, okay, okay. Monday's going to come, life's going to hit, it is what it is. I'm telling you. This week, open this scripture and pray this prayer. Pray what Paul was praying for the church in Ephesus. Pray it for Grace Church. 
that we might experience this even more so than what Grace saw at the beginning. And why do we do all this? Verse 21 tells us that. Your point is, it's all about His glory. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Why do we do the things that we do? It's because it's about His glory. Why do I get up here and feel uncomfortable in front of you as all of you stare at me? It's because it's about His glory. That's it. That's why we do the things that we do. So may we never forget that this morning. And I pray that the thing Dr. Allen said he was worried about, you know, a a month or two ago about grace, has it kind of hit that cap? Wouldn't be a thing. Because if we're worried about any of that, you think about this. If we're about His glory and about experiencing His power, that cap won't be there. Because He is able to do far more than we could ever think or imagine. So I pray you would experience that in your life. As we go out of here, y'all stand with me as we pray. Lord, we are grateful, God, for for your love and for your mercy. But God, as we see this prayer, Lord, all of us should want the expectation. God, should desire to see the power of God strengthen us and to embolden us to move in this way. 